All right, so we're going to pray, and uh, as I said, I, I feel like this is a word straight from the Lord, so uh, let's pray, and we're going to get into this. It should be, should be simple, so... Father God, I thank you for today, Lord. Thank you that even though we're small in number today, Lord, that you uh, you show up, you're faithful, you're good to us, Lord. And we just get to be in your presence, Lord. I pray you would speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray for all the needs that we have, God, the ones that we get every day that each of us uh, each of us have on our heart. And we're going to lift those to you, Lord. We're going to trust you for miracles, Lord. We're going to trust you for answers, Lord. And Father God, I pray that you would just... Uh, God, you'd bless the offering that, that'll be brought today, but also that's online, God, that you would use it to, to minister to your people, God, you'd use it to bless yourself, and Father God, I pray you would just speak to each of our hearts today, Lord, and that not one of us would be unchanged from what, what you would say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I'm, I'm going to be in Romans 12, and uh, I'm going to turn this off, Ryan. Sure. Maybe. I'm going to be in Romans 12, and the, uh, the title of this is A Transformed Body. And uh, we've all heard Romans 12 preached over and over, but this is going to be a, a little different than what we usually uh, probably get out of this. And in Romans 12, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to the word to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And we've all heard this preached. Anybody who's been in church very long, you've heard it over and over. We need to have renewed minds, right? We need to be transformed. And uh, I'm going to break this down a little bit from from uh, what Paul's trying to tell us individually here but then i'm going to present it in a whole different way also so uh but when paul comes out and he's appealing to us therefore brethren he's actually appealing to the church obviously but he's also reminding us that we're followers of christ in this uh he puts that in most most i can't say that necessarily because i wasn't him but most uh theologians would say is what he's reminding us is who we are Therefore, I appeal to you as followers of Christ by the mercies of God. And, and he had spent the first 11 chapters of this, uh, of this Romans explaining all the mercies of God and who God is and how we're here because of God and not because of us, it's because of Him. And so he's saying, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This word living sacrifice is... Uh, I'm actually going to use J.B. Phillips' commentary on this. It's, uh, it says, in the Old Testament, every sacrifice had to be a holy and acceptable one to God. He shall bring a male without blemish, Leviticus 1.10 says, but if there is a defect in it, if it is lame or blind or has any series, serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. That's in De- Deuteronomy 15.21. So the idea of a sweet aroma to the Lord almost always linked to the idea of an offering made by fire. There is a burning in, the, in this matter of a living sacrifice. If you show, uh, it also shows that Paul has a mind, uh, uh, in mind a burnt offering in which the entire sacrifice was given to the Lord. And some sacrifices, the, the, some of the offerings back then would be presented to, 
to God, but then that like David or the priest or whatever would also partake in it. This very sacrifice would be the burnt offering, which once you burn an offering, there's nothing left. It all goes straight to the Lord. It is for God and only for God. And that's uh, that's in my way there. But that is what uh, Paul is speaking of here is that kind of sacrifice that is fully given to God, right? Which is very, very important. You all right, buddy? Okay. So he's... uh. He goes on and he's talking about a holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And that spiritual worship, some of you guys would say, it would say reasonable services, right? Which both variants are uh, possibilities of the way it would have been translated. And what that actually means is whenever it says spiritual worship or reasonable uh, services, it is actually referring to Levitical law. It's the worship of the word through the word. It is a pre- presentation through the word. So this is just like a Levitical sacrifice. It is to be holy. It is presented to the Lord, and it is through the word of God. Right? So it's pretty deep. Uh, and then whenever it's talking about, we go on, and I'm going to, I'll get out of this pretty quickly here, but it goes on and it says, do not be conformed to this world. In this time period, just like today, uh, Christians, followers of Jesus. At that time, they weren't actually known as Christians. Christians was more of a uh, more of a name given by uh, secular people to kind of it's kind of a derogatory term that they were giving them. Like, oh, those guys over there are Christians. It's not until later on that we see that Paul and them finally refer to themselves as Christians whenever they appeal to the people. But they were followers of Jesus, is what they were. The word Christians was okay, but whenever you're you're looking at this and you're followers of Jesus, that's what they thought of. We follow the way. And uh, it's a little different, but he said uh, they were conformed to this world. And you think about when you're conformed to this world, uh, even ourselves, sometimes the way we worship looks more worldly. Sometimes the way we, the, we live our lives is, you know, we may live off of emotions. We may live off of the way we feel. I feel like doing this today, or I feel like doing that today. Or um, maybe it's, you know, I've seen this person doing this, or these people do it this way, and we do it that way. Or maybe it's just been a tradition that's went on for years and years and years, right? And we're like, hey, that's the way we do it. And we do it only because our minds are conformed to what we've always seen. Right? Or we've conformed our minds and our thinking to the way we feel that day. Or we conform to, you name it. We all know what we conform to over the years, you know. Maybe it's TV shows or movies or whatever. But we conform to it. And uh, But it says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And a lot of us already know that word transform means uh, metamorpho, which is the same word used for Jesus in Mark 9, I think it is, whenever he goes to... Uh, when he's transfigured in front of the the disciples there, and he's completely transfigured, and what that means is to change form. That easy. You just change your appearance. It's uh, you're you're transformed or you're uh, transfigured. Either one. It's the same word. By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So whenever your mind is being renewed. You're not renewed by the fact that you're going to sit down and start thinking about what's good to God or what, what would God have me do or 
What do I feel God's calling me to? The renewing of your mind is done through the Word of God. Right? It's by pursuing what the Lord said. It's by reading the Scriptures. Do my actions apply here? Do my actions line up with the Word of God? It also means renewing your mind by sitting in prayer and seeking the Lord and listening to the Lord. And, and your mind is renewed by God, not by actions, not by how we feel, not by anything other than who God is and pursuing God. And that's what he's speaking here, right? And uh, so I want us to remember that as we move forward, okay? Because we've all heard this over the years, and uh, and everybody's always like, you got to renew your thinking. You know, your mind needs to be renewed, and it does need to be renewed. Every last one of us know that, but it's hard, especially hard when you're trying to do it alone, right? It, uh, I tell you, just about anything's hard when you try to do it alone. It doesn't matter what it is. And, uh, so I'm going to go to Colossians 1, and we'll start in verse 15. And, uh, and we'll come back to Romans 12 later, but I want to go to Colossians 1. And I, I want you to, uh, you know, we, we as a church, the vision for our church body, like this small body, and in, Hen- in Evansville, is uh, the vision's changing. It's We're understanding that something's got to be different, right? That we've tried to do things the way things have always been done, and, and things are changing. So uh, that's what we're going to talk a little more about. So in Colossians 1, 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. We know he's talking about Jesus here. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That includes us. That includes the church. It, uh, and it says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Okay, So he's in all things, and he holds everything together. Gives you the whole picture of everywhere we go, we should be in Christ. We should be held against, uh, held together with Christ, and our whole being is nothing but for Christ. And He is the head of the body, the church. And I, I, I love every time I see that He is the head of the body, the church. That isn't like this body or this church. That is the body, the church. The very word "head" there, uh, you know, sure it. We understand the head, but it's actually like the head of a river where the water would flow in. And whenever the water would flow in, it would just flow into all the body, into all the church. And whenever he says this, the body's a little different. Right? It's uh, not just in, like whenever the water flows into the river, it's not flooding into like little ponds here and there. Flooding into the whole river. Now, there's parts of the river, if you go in the Ohio River, there's a section of the Ohio River that would be like, you would say like it's the Evansville area of river, or you would say it's the Newburgh area river, or you would go further down, you know, and each part takes a claim to that river, but it's all the same river. It's all the same flow. And it's the same thing with the body of Christ. It's all the same flow. It's all the same body. It's all one body. It's just there may be different parts in that body, right? And we have to remember that. Even if there's a tributary or something, it comes off. 
still. All one body. One water. One flow. And it's all coming from the head of the river down. Right? And that's the way we are as a church. It speaks from God the Father, and it flows down. And uh, we have to remember that because God's trying to get our minds to think differently on these. Uh, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Uh, we often get in the mindset of when I get to heaven, it's going to be good, or we think like, oh, God's coming soon, and everything's going to be good, or whenever uh, I can't wait to get to heaven, and I'm in the presence of Jesus, and I just get to worship Jesus all the time. But this says on heaven and on earth. It doesn't just say in heaven, right? So he's making all things new. He's making all things perfect. He's existing right now. He, We are his body right now, and we should be living in a way right now the same way we would like to live in heaven. Pastor Rod used to always say, hey, you know what? You're kind, of, you're kind of in practice mode right now for what you'll be fully later on. And I always liked that. I always thought like, yeah, if that's the truth, if, if I want to do it in heaven, why wouldn't I already be doing it now? And when I get to heaven, it's just second nature. It's not a new nature. Right? Our new nature should be now. Our new man should be now. Everything should be presented in a way that we want it to look in heaven. But it's not always that way. Sometimes we, we have an earthly body that sometimes wants to be do heavenly things and that, that's not the way it is he said do not conform to the earthly do not conform to this world but be transformed by renewal of your mind so if we're going to have the mind be a renewed mind and re- look like christ what flows from christ is all we should be thinking of that should be what is happening is what flows down comes through us and goes out and uh we don't always do that. We, we, we often have this conformed life that we live, and sometimes we go over and we get a drink from the water. We go over and we, we may swim in the water, but we're not, we're not part of that flow, and we have to be a part of that flow. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or or in heaven, making peace of the blood of the cross, by the blood of the cross. Then if you go down to verse 24, it says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up with, with what, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. This is the church. And that is a confusing scripture if you don't like, if you don't take everything in context. It almost would sound like he's saying Jesus' suffering wasn't enough, so I'm going to fulfill the rest. And he kind of means that, and he kind of doesn't mean that. The cross was enough. The cross was always enough. What he's talking about is ministry, right? Jesus suffered in ministry. He was persecuted in ministry. And Paul said, where people are not receiving it yet, I will suffer for it. I will fulfill it. I will, I will invest myself where people did not receive Christ. I am going to invest myself and try to fill in that void for those people. And he's given his all, right? 
And he is writing this in prison. Blows my mind. So many scriptures he wrote in prison, like so many letters, it's like, man. It's almost like God may have to put him in prison just to get him to stop and write. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but he had to go through some stuff. And uh, that very thought of, hey, are we fulfilling? Are we, we sacrificing ourselves to help fulfill what Christ was doing? Right? If we are the body, we should be that very sacrifice. We are part of his sacrifice. And as a body, one of the, one of the things I, I, I love hearing people preach on, because every time it gets me so excited, is that so often we, we, we worship the cross and we praise the cross and we're so grateful for the cross. And we should be, because Jesus died for our sins. He took it all to the cross. But we forget to worship the tomb and, and praise over the tomb that there's a resurrected body, that we are alive in him and we are, we are with him forever. We don't live in the resurrection usually. We try to live at the cross and always trying to surrender and try to, try to take everything we have to the cross and we forget that the resurrection happened and we are that resurrected body. If we're that resurrected body, we should be living like Christ, we should be living as if we're new. We should be living as if we're alive and not always dying at the cross. Our old self died, the new self should be living. And if we're not living in that new self, there's a problem. We need to leave it at the cross and go over to that tomb and walk out of it. Right? Goes on and he says, uh, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden of ages or for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. We've, we've had that mystery revealed. We all know the mystery of who Jesus Christ is. We all know that he died for our sins and raised from the dead. We know the promises of heaven. We know there'll be no more fear. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more aches and pains and everything that the world struggles with we know that there's coming a time when all that is gone. We know these mysteries. We know who the, sa- the Savior is. And it's all for us to start making people uh, aware of that. You know, I've shared it in here before, and I've, I've shared it with everybody I come in contact with, that the church is not set up to be a trap. We're not, we're not hunters who go and trap people. It's not like we're waiting for somebody to come in here and we're going to catch them and hope that we can hold on to them. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Nowhere in the Bible says, hey, when they come in, snare them. And then throw a bunch of stuff at them and see if they'll stay. Give them food, give them everything, see if they'll stay. Your programs may hold them forever. It doesn't say it. It says throw your nets out and see what you can catch. Right? We're fishers of men, not trappers of people. And uh, so we need to be out there sharing the gospel. We need to be out there loving people. We need to be out there in a whole different light, right? Move this along here. To make the word fully known, of God fully known, the mysteries hidden for the ages, generations, but now revealed to the saints. To, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We all have hope. What was it? It was in First Peter where he says, you know, go out and 
share with people the reasoning for your hope? How often do we do that? We have hope. How often whenever people see us and they're like, there's something different from about you, and you, do you laugh or you take the time and say, let me tell you about that? Or you say, hey, you know why I have such amount of hope and how, why I live the way I live? Or, hey, I, I know what you're going through, but let me tell you the one who brings me hope, right? We need to be sharing that hope with them. We have it. We need to share it. Uh, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, but he powerfully works with me. And uh, I'm going to go back to Romans 12. And I want us to, to think of this mindset of the river. I want us to think of uh, him just flowing through us and us sharing that. You know, when a river comes through, like it takes a really big dam to stop the river. And if people aren't always building on that dam and taking care of that dam, it'll end up just busting away, right? And uh, we have a lot of people who have dams built up. But the river of Jesus can bust those dams down. It can break through. And we should be taking that water. We have a powerful water in us. Living water is more powerful than anything on this earth. And when we take it in, it can actually tear down those walls that people built up. Uh so Romans 12 goes on and it says in verse 3, 4, By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And we actually talked about this somewhat in men's group the other day. Uh, yesterday was... In this time period, uh, you would have seen the same thing you do now, that whenever people were saved, they're followers of Christ, just like the um, the Pharisees, people now start thinking of themselves higher. We start thinking that we're at a place that we've, we've arrived, we've made it, and uh, Jesus Christ didn't do that. Jesus Christ, fully, fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ, before he was uh, about to die and give his life in... in uh, John 20, I believe it is. He he takes the time to... He, he knows where he's going. He he doesn't stop. Like, he knows, he knows who he is. He knows he's about to be the Savior of the world. He knows he's about to die, and he knows he's about to go back to his Father in heaven. And he doesn't take a nap. He doesn't rest. Instead, he goes and he washes his disciples' feet. He becomes the lowest of all servants in a time when he was about to be the highest he could ever be. And sometimes as Christians, especially in church, we kind of set ourselves off in our country club mentality of we've arrived or we've made it or we're something special and people need to come be a part of what we have, right? Come come have what we have. And Jesus didn't do that. He he actually made himself lower, went to the people. I mean, it said he, he came uh, eating and drinking is what it said. And what that meant was is he was going out to people and spending time with people everywhere he went. And uh, he wasn't keeping to himself. He was going to places nobody else was willing to go, and he was speaking to people nobody else was willing to speak because they had nothing to offer him. What do you offer a guy who's homeless and doesn't have a need? He's very content where he's at. You don't offer him anything except yourself. And that's the way he lived. 
Um, okay. For in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members one to another. And I, I, I share all this to come back to we are the body of Christ, right? So if, if we are a body of Christ, one body, and I know most of Romans 12 is talking about an individual body, but if we are the body of Christ, we're also still one body, right? So on this, further in Romans 12, it starts talking about the gifts and everything else. But I'm going to go back up to Romans 12, 1 real quick. And uh, I want you to think about this as a whole body, a whole church body. I want to read, read, reread Romans 1, and I want us to think about what it would look like if the church looked the way this is. Okay? It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies in a, as a living sacrifice. What if the church as a whole presented itself as a living sacrifice? What would that look like? Right? Holy and acceptable to God. So it would be completely set apart and presented to God to do what he needed to do with it. Imagine it, right? Which is our spiritual worship. Now how could that happen? If little C church is here, little C church is here, and little C church is here, and little C church is here... How can it be presented as a whole sacrifice? How could it happen? It couldn't. We would be presenting parts of the body. So you may sacrifice your arm, somebody may sacrifice a leg, but it wouldn't be the whole body. Right? Which is your spiritual worship. It is what pleases God. Right? Do not be conformed to this world. In this world, when you have a good idea or you have something that's good, you hold on to it and you 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 pretty much worship it and it's your traditions. When we have a tradition, we follow our tradition and you're like, I don't want to get rid of it because that's what we've always done and I love that. It's a tradition. If we lose it, we lose part of who we are. Guess what? God said get rid of who you are. Right? If we would get rid of who we are, God can do a whole new work. A whole new work. But be transformed by renewal of your mind. And this is being transformed, being something, a whole different form that lines up with the Word of God. whole different form. So if we are now using the Word of God to, to move the church as a whole, everything changes. Right? And I'm going to give you some examples of this in a minute. Uh... That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And we've all been around churches for so long that we can go into somewhere and we're like, uh, this one over here, they do this so horrible. This one over here, they do this bad. Or we say, this one here got this right, this one got this right, this one got this right. But you know what, if we came together as a whole all that right would be together, right? We would fulfill all the needs of the people instead of this one's trying to fulfill this part, but they, they fell over here. Instead, it'd be, wow, the body of Christ is changing our communities. 
And Keeve and I and several others the other day got to go to a conference in Evansville. And uh, it was Luis Plow's son, Kevin, was uh, speaking. And he, he presented something sort of like this, different mindset, but he was talking about the importance of the church being the church, the importance of how how churches change the community. And we've talked about this a lot here, how we are, you know, we've we felt called for quite a while to join together with other churches and work together with other churches. But he presented a, an idea that we all know is true, especially since we, we are doing more in the community, but it was a mindset that really rocked a lot of people. Was uh, If you look at our foster care system, was the example he gave. How many of you would say that our foster care system is lacking? Right? That it needs help. That there's a problem in there and they need to fix it. That is usually our mindset, right? We None of us like big government. You know, we, we all think like little government, let the people do what they need to do and then the government oversee. Then why do we always ask the government to take care of things like foster care? Why do we ask the government to make sure there's more money for every other need that we don't want to take care of? How come whenever there's a problem, we always blame the government and we're not blaming ourselves? Nowhere, if we line up with Scripture, nowhere in Scripture, I guarantee it, and you could study for the rest of your life, will you find where Jesus said, hey, the government needs to go out and take care of the people. You will not find it. But he does say the church should. He said we should. Right? And I'm not saying that we go out and we adopt every kid in the world. I am saying we have to start getting the bigger body picture, and we have to start serving our community. If we're not serving our community, nothing will ever change. It has to be a whole different mindset. And we did it yesterday. We got to go out and we had we got to clean up in the park and love on people. And I uh, told Keeve that uh, Monday, mo- Monday morning I'm reading in a book that, uh, about transforming cities, actually. And uh, the guy in it actually said these very words, which blew my mind. He said, cleaning parks is kingdom business. I thought, that's weird. Why would he say cleaning parks is cleaning is kingdom business? I still don't know why he used the word parks, but it's where we were headed. And the reason why that, that is a kingdom business, why that is kingdom work, is we pay people in our government to oversee things like parks and recreation, and then we can go out and say, why are they not taking care of this stuff? Or we can say, hey, you know what? They're overwhelmed. We have the means to go out and love people and clean up this park so people can enjoy it. Right? And we can help an overwhelmed city government. We can start being the people who help make a change in our in our city. We can help make a change in the government. Right now, the government usually looks at the church as the people who are always against them. There's this great divide because we don't work well together. Because we look at them, we're like, you guys are failing. And they look at us and we're like, you guys are doing nothing except complaining. And they're probably more right than we are. We can complain really well. And don't get me wrong, most hospitals, most charities, all that are set up by Christian organizations as small individuals. But there's so much more we can be doing if we work together as a whole. There's so much more we can be doing if we transform 
and are renewed in our thinking and we start living the way Jesus said to live as a body of Christ instead of, man, I wish somebody would do something about that. You're right. Go do it. We can do it. We, we, we ain't going to do it all on our own. You know, there's enough work in this city that, man, one church building of people can't do it. But as a whole, we can start doing it. If our mindset is starting to get to the point to where we say, you know what, I need to be a part of this body that God put me in as a whole, and I need to be a part of that flowing and that river moving, and when that river moves, good things happen. We can change this society, right? Whenever we we walk down a road and we see tons of drug addicts or we see tons of whatever it is, we can start being the change there. It's not, why won't somebody do something? It's, why are we not doing something? What can we do better? We need to start having a mentality of how does the church serve the people instead of, man, I wish these people would just get fixed. Jesus is about to go to the cross and his first reaction was, is I need to figure out how to serve these people. I'm going to wash their feet. We say, I'm going to work. I don't have time to stop and help that person with a flat tire. I don't know. If I was late for work, it probably wouldn't be as bad as what Jesus went through. But So, Ryan, if you want to come up, I'm going to close with that. I had more scripture. I'll tell you that uh, if you go through later and you want to read in uh, Ephesians 4, it speaks very well of how this would look. Obviously, Ephesians is always good, but it, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into Ephesians 4 now, but I do want you guys to uh, begin thinking about this stuff. And uh, it's where we felt called as a church for a while. It's where we're trying to get to as a church. Uh, it's the reason why I feel like most churches have cut down in size, because just like with Gideon, God was only going to take the ones that he could use. And uh, you're going to see him using the ones he can use, and the rest will be sent home. And uh, he's going to transform this whole area, and we can be a part of it, or we can live the way we always have. And uh, so, all right, I'm going to close in prayer. And uh, I love you guys. If you need prayer, I'll be here, and uh, Steve will be here. So, Father God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you... You loved us so much that you served us, Lord, that you you did everything needed to capture our hearts, Lord, because you loved us that much, God. Your whole plan was set upon salvation, Lord, about bringing your kingdom here, Lord, about bringing us into your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that you would transform our way of thinking, Lord, that you would renew our minds. That, God, we would be so devoted to be a part of what you're... You'd be so devoted to living our lives the way you do, Lord. That we'd be... We would get outside of ourselves, Lord. We would stop wondering why people aren't doing anything, Lord. Or we would stop expecting small seed church to do something, Lord, and we would be able to start looking at the big picture, Lord. 
we could start loving and serving the way you did, Lord. That we would get outside of ourselves, God, and allow you to work. Lord, I thank you in advance for the great work you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus did his first miracle it was at a wedding there were people who had means to have what they needed and they just ran out right and so he changes water into wine it wasn't like he was saying hey there's a whole bunch of poor people here I need to feed them he just provided a need that was there right and then you look at even whenever he fed the 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. He didn't say that people were poor and couldn't afford food. There was just a need for food at the moment. And they provided for those people in that moment. And most of his miracles were not done in a situation where they were at a church service or anything else. It was always outside just doing regular life stuff and he's doing miracles. And uh, how does this look for us going forward? We, we were already connecting with the United Body of Christ here in Henderson to start reaching different communities. You know, right now we're focusing on Carriage uh, Mobile Home Park, but we're about to do something right here in this area. Keith and I will be a part of organizing those. Uh, we're going to take celebration out into the city. We're going to, as uh, Chris Buckman would say, we're going to throw parties all over this town and let them know Jesus is awesome. You know? and that's what we're going to do. But, even in Evansville right now, Pastor Chad's been meeting with multiple pastors over there and uh, for, for Evansville people with Ross Chapman and different ones trying to figure out what is the need in our community right now that we could be filling. So here soon, we will be meeting with Helfrick Park, the school just down the road from our church in Evansville, and we're going to start ministering to that church. We're going to send in a group there to help, and we're going to open up our church for kids to come after school into our church building. These are the way our church is going to start looking. We're not just going to be hanging out and, and talking at people anymore. We're going to now be loving our community. We're going to, it's going to change. Everything's changing. Guys. I believe COVID happened and everything that we've seen in our world happened for the eyes of the church to be open. We were, we were pretty comfortable where we were at. The only way God was going to get our attention was if he really wrecked a lot of stuff. We kept praying over and over, God, do what you have to do to get us where you need to get us. And unfortunately, it took a lot more than we thought. But he's ready to do something good, and we get to be a part of it, and we can either be all in with it, or we can let somebody else get the blessing of doing it. uh, I don't know about you, but I like the idea of being all in with it. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for just all the adventures God's going to put us through and how we get to love so many. Father God, we thank you for how much you love us, Lord. We thank you for these great plans and the things you allow us to be a part of, Lord. You said you only did what your your Father in Heaven did, Lord, so we're glad we get to be a part of what our Father in Heaven's doing, Lord. We ask that you would bless it, Lord. We ask that you would open our eyes to, to all the things you would have us be a part of, Lord. And Lord, that we would be so renewed in our thanking, Lord, that we'd be eager 
willing to just jump right into it, Lord. God, we want to work with so many others, Lord. And, uh, God, help us never be focused anymore on our little seed church, God. But to be more focused on your body and what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.